It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's September 21st. We're five days away from the first Minnesota Wild preseason game. This is Beyond the Pod. I'm Brandon Molesky. Pat Micheletti, former Golden Gopher and former North Star, joins me as always. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Brandon. Good to talk to you as always. As always, absolutely. Can't wait for the start of the season. Yeah, I've, I've seen you've been pretty passionate on Twitter recently, most, mostly about the uh, United States uh, team and the World Cup of Hockey, of course. They lose last night. They are out of uh, the competition, even though they do have to play the uh, the game versus uh, the Czech Republic, which means absolutely nothing. I'm sure you're going to see a lot of effort in that game. But uh, two losses for Team USA versus Team Europe and Team Canada last night. They lose four to two. And um, you know, you and I both talked about surprises with some of the selections beforehand, and I think it became pretty evident in the two games that we saw. Yeah, without a doubt. And first of all. It's great that hockey's back, and you know, as you can tell, I think we were both fired up last night, and a lot of people are fired up for the season to get going, but um, yeah, you and I talked about it, I, I believe, right when the team was selected and what their thought process was going into it, and I, you know, with the with the way that the game has changed, and if anybody watched the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, last year uh, with Pittsburgh winning it in the style of play, and to think that you can go into a tournament like this, this with so many skilled players and to try to play a system that just is not going to allow you to create any type of offense whatsoever. Um, I just thought it was the wrong, the wrong way to go about things. And it, uh, it, it proved out to be correct because uh, they just, uh, they couldn't generate any offense and, uh, the, there's a number of skilled players that were left off the team, and, and um, uh, it, it's, um, it was difficult to watch because you have so much pride as an American wanting your country uh, to put out its best effort and its best players and its best coaching staff and its best management staff, and quite frankly, I think they dropped the ball on this. Yeah, and that's probably what's most disappointing, right? They scored two goals in two games, and even the, right. second, you know, the second one's late last night when Canada's kind of playing in a shell. And just trying to hold on to the lead. Uh, so two goals in two games. We've, we've always, you know, the United States hockey has never been the most prolific offensive juggernaut in the world. No. And that's what makes it even more questionable. Decisions such as not having Phil Kessel on the roster after the playoff run he had in Pittsburgh and leading them to the cup. And he was arguably the best player in the playoffs. Right. Um, you know, having decisions like Ab- Abdelkader and, and Palmieri and Dubinsky in your lineup. And, you know, and then you know, and then the first game, your best offensive defenseman is not even in the lineup, and, it, no. you know, and it's not like you have a, uh, you know, a a wealth of depth at the defensive position here in Team USA. There's there, it's not like you're like wow, well, you know, it's not like Sweden where or even Canada where there's you know there's some there's some defensemen like PK Subban left off, and you can kind of understand because their defensemen are so deep. You know, it's not like we have elite defensemen here. 
No, and it was it was. I, I just I, I just didn't understand the thought process going into it, and then you know with you know, and I've talked to a number of people, and listen, I don't know when we anointed John Tortorella as um, as the Victor Tikhanov of the U.S. and you know as the best coach out there, best coach available. Uh, he knows how to coach one style of play, and that is a very defensive-minded, boring style. And maybe that's maybe that's why he was selected as as the coach of this team. But you and you just look up and down the bench, and you see uh, John Hines, Phil Housley, and um, Mike Sullivan there, and and all three of those coaches like to play up tempo, in your face, get after it, uh, you know, skilled game. And so I can't imagine what was going through their heads thinking we have to play this style. He wants to play this style, you know, and we have to go along with it because um, it just, it just, it, we knew it a year ago when, when the team was picked or whenever it was picked that, that, you know, the outcome was probably going to be what it was. And Tortorella's style worked 10 years ago, but the the game has changed. Yeah. yeah, you and I have talked about it. You you really harped on it during the last postseason run. If you've watched the last, well, you know, heck, pretty much since Chicago has taken over, right? Ever since the right, yeah. you know, ever since that run from about you know 2009 2010 on, the game has changed, and everyone's had to play Chicago style, and teams have started to pick that up, and Pittsburgh played it to an absolute team, and, fr- and frankly, a lot of people have ripped the wild over the last four years. That's the style they originally started to go after. Now, they kind of deviated away from that by getting Pominville and getting Vanek, and I was a little disappointed, but when they first started out, that's what they were going after was youth and speed. Right. And hopefully they can get back to that at some point. But uh, that's that's how the game has changed. You watched Pittsburgh last year. They were the fastest team, and the most the best competition they had was Washington in, what, in the second round, which was also a fast team. Tampa right. Bay, Tampa Bay, Took Pittsburgh to seven games because they had speed. I I couldn't agree with you more. And and you know when you look at the when you when you look at Tinius and, and and the people that are in charge of it, you know you've got a lot of guys that have been running that show for quite some time for for many years. One name comes to mind is Brian Burke. Now he's been around forever. And he's been in control of Team USA forever. And his style is brash. His style is, you know, if he could, he'd have guys dropping the gloves every night. Not so much uh, on the skill side of things. So I'm not just going to sit here and blame Tortorella, but because Tortorella, that, that's the way he coaches yeah. also. And maybe that's why he was selected. But I tell you, um, I don't want to sit back and say, yeah, with, with five different players, the U.S. would have beaten Canada. But I will say that it would have been a much more competitive team if they would have played, tried to play the, the style that Canada played. And uh, I, I just think, um, I think we tried to mimic ourselves to a team in the 90s where, like you said, and we talked about, it's not 1990 anymore. Not at all. Yeah, well, and, you know, and everyone's going after Tortorella, but there is, you know, somebody chose Tortorella as the choice, and That's that right. and yeah. that person deserves criticism too. And people are focused on the Canada game last night, and understandably so, because that's the top dog, and that's kind of your biggest rival, and it's a border battle, right? And yep. that, that's the team we're constantly trying to catch to get up to that level. 
I'm still more disappointed in the effort against Team Europe. <laughs> you know, oh. you know, you know, last night's game. I I think people are making that game seem worse than it really was. I didn't think USA was awful through the first two periods. I, Canada did get some pretty lucky goals off of you know off of a off the breezers off the skates. Uh, you know, effort wise, at least through the first two periods last night. Now the third period was different. I thought USA kind of mailed it in for 15 minutes last night in the third. Yeah. But versus Europe, they got nothing going. And to me, that that was the more embarrassing game because that, that's the game you had to have to to, to advance. Yeah, well, and in and, and, and Europe, okay, not certainly, you know, not as talented as as um, as Team USA. Uh, yeah, they have some very good players, no question about it. But but in reality, they had to play. They had to play a game of of sitting back and taking advantage of some opportunities or breakdowns and. And and the U.S. played right into their hands. So, I I just <laughs> I, I I just I'm just shocked at the at the whole scenario of how this played out because I was looking so forward to the U.S. really doing well in this tournament. But but back to your thought last night, Canada beat the U.S. at, at the game that the U.S. was supposed to play. Yeah, some dirty, greasy, in you know in front of the net type goals and. Um, and the U.S. couldn't get, even get to the net, and that's that. What was so disappointing? Uh, their style that they wanted to play didn't even work, and that um, that that was disheartening. Well, I was more disappointed in their pushback, right? I mean, yeah, you know, right. Canada kind of got some greasy goals, and you could say even lucky to a certain extent. Yep. And it was almost like Team USA had so little confidence in their ability to score that they, I mean, they just looked deflated on the bench. Their play looked deflated. It's just like they felt like. Uh, they didn't have a lot of margin for error, and then you see kind of some of those lucky goals that go against you, and I, I feel like just their body language just completely yeah. changed after that. I, I I couldn't agree more. And you know, the, the the one good thing, and I and I I don't know if there's a, there was a rift between uh, Tortorella and and Zach Parisi, but but um, there were times where he sat him for quite a long time during the game. I kept looking, where is he? Where is he? And, you know, for the majority of the third period, Zach didn't play, which I was really happy about because, you know, you get to a point in the game where, yeah, it's probably over. You don't want your own team's best player and Zach here with the Wild to get hurt. And so, uh, in fact, I hope he's a healthy scratch uh, tomorrow when they play the yeah. Jacks well, um, and get him back here and, and get him in camp. And, and, uh, and that's another great thing about Team USA losing is that, you get these guys back, and Team Finland is not going to qualify. So you're going to pretty much have an opportunity to be with a new coach here and and, uh, and have a good camp. Well, and frankly, Zach didn't play that well. You know, so it's it's under no, it's true. understandable why he was sitting. And it's you know it's probably expected. You know, he just went through an entire summer of you know he's working on rehabbing his back and getting healthy yeah. as opposed healthy, to more so as opposed playing, to getting yeah. stronger and faster and working on your game. He's been working as to you know to get healthy. So. It's understandable he'd have a little rust and not be in peak condition. Yeah, right. And and you know the the the, the good thing is is what we saw of him. I didn't really care if he played great or terrible. Obviously, you want him to play great and have Team USA move on. But from a selfish perspective, in the Minnesota Wild perspective, you you know to see him take a hit. Yes. To, to see him skate, to see him you know do the things that he's capable of doing. He was delivering that hits. Was, that was shown. Now. Yeah, is there rest there? Sure, but that's okay. He'll get that out now in training camp. At least you know, 
you have a uh, what perceived to be healthy Zach uh, coming into the uh, into the uh, season. Uh, the other Minnesota Wild player that played for Team USA, Ryan Suter, uh, uh, I tweeted this last night that uh, you know for some reason Suter, at least on social media, has become kind of a whipping boy in the state when it comes to the Minnesota Wild. And when you're yeah. make, when you're making the big contract, uh, you're always going to have the target on you. Yep. I thought he was pretty darn good last night. Probably one of the only defensemen really for Team USA that played well. And you know when you see him up against. You know, in a situation like Team Canada, you do see a lot of his value because mm-hmm. you know, he's playing against really the best team in the world, the best players in the world. They've got John Tavares on their third line, for God's sake, and uh, he's he's not getting beat. I mean, he's shutting those guys down. Well, yeah, and and and, and that's a, the the thing I think that the Minnesota fans and Minnesota Wild fans are going to have to uh, come to grips with is that listen, as far as a defensive defenseman and his ability to control things in 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 his own end. I don't know if there's anybody better, um, at least from the American side, uh, of a defenseman in the league. And and that's that's what he brings. Now, people get concerned with him being on the power play. People get concerned with his uh, uh, points, but he had his best year last year, points-wise. I think you have to put what he makes, throw that away. Um, His offensive um, output, you throw that away. And let him and just watch what he does and appreciate what he does in his own end and in helping this team um, uh, win hockey games. Let's talk about other Minnesota Wild players that have been yep. playing in the World Cup. Obviously, there's three on Finland with Miko Koivu, Mikhail Granlin, Eric Halla. Halla got scratched. Yep. That was a healthy scratch yesterday, by the way. Um, I've seen Finland play twice. I saw them play USA in the prelims, which. Or the you know the pre tournament games, which that that game had absolutely zero intensity, yeah. and and I and I went out of that going, man, Koivu and Granlin did nothing, and they 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 don't look improved at all, right? And then I, I didn't see the entire game against Sweden yesterday because they were playing while I was on the air. I was watching parts of it. I saw you know the kind of the third period when I got home. Mikhail Granlin was the best player on the ice, and I'm not just yeah. talking about Finland. He he was the best player period between Finland and Sweden. He, it looks to me like he's taken another step, and that is very, very encouraging for Minnesota Wild fans. Um, I was, I was impressed with him, and it, it just seems like he's um, matured um, and has gained more confidence. Looks a little bit stronger uh, out there, also. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, come training camp. I mean, did you see the one-on-one move he put on uh, Oliver Ekman Larson? Yeah, that was a, that's a big yeah, time move. We were chatting about it after because Larson uh, obviously took the penalty, uh, but yeah, he uh, yeah he's doing some great things, and that, that that's really encouraging because you know people are waiting for him to have a breakout year, right? Getting that seventy five point range. If he got in the seventy five point range, that would be such a boost. For <laughs> well, this. that would be amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, well, at some point, one of these young guys, specifically Granlin, has to emerge because otherwise, you're looking at a window here of a year or two, <laughs> you know, if you want to look three, four, five years down the road, at, at some point, these young guys need to take the role of a Parisi well, and a Koivu. Hey, look at it. You've got Zach, who's 32, right? Suter's 32. What's Miko? He's going to be 33. He's up there. Pominville's up there. Pominville, they're, you know. Stall. Those are, you know, those are your guys, and and you're correct. They're not getting any younger, and, and, it, and it is time. Um uh, for some of these guys, no, maybe they can say, hey, we need more of an opportunity to do that. And if they do get that, that is when they're going to. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have to, have to show it this year. And a guy like Niederreiter, uh, is he going to take that next step? Um, so, yeah, Coil. you know, uh, I thought Miko, Miko had w- w- was frustrating again yesterday because there was a three-on-one in the game where then he lost control of the puck. Um, he's still going to give you what he gives you. And, again, another one of those guys where you just got to say, okay, he's going to be a good, solid two-way guy. Um, don't expect him to put up a ton of points, but be solid and – uh, be strong in his own end and win a lot of draws, blah, 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 blah. But um, but still, there were times where he had the opportunity to create more offense for Team Finland and didn't yesterday. We've talked about it for years with him. Yep. I think people would look at him differently if we we would have had a number one center here over the last five years. Right. <laughs> but you know, yeah. the, the problem is he's been placed as a number one center, and he's not a number one center. That's That's not his strength. That's not his role. I think he's. I think he can be a number two center on a Stanley Cup winning team. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he's you know constantly been put in positions where he's your number one center. He's always on your power play, and frankly, he's just not capable of delivering that at an elite level. No, I think it's unfair because uh, he's a very good player and he does a lot of good things that you know kind of go unnoticed. You know that that extra little uh, play in the defensive end, uh, in the right position, and the you know, just little things that people don't notice. But what they do notice is is lack of production or, uh, the, the you know, what he does on the power play. Uh, those sort of things that get fans talking and, uh, you know. But, again, as you, you pointed out perfectly, uh, he's been put in a position where he, he has had to be the number one center because this team hasn't had one. Now, this year... You know, we'll see how it plays out, but Eric Stahl is going to play with Zach on that number one line, and, and maybe Miko, you know, uh, gets a little pressure taken off of him being on a number two center. So we'll have to see how it all plays out in training camp, but, um, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what type of year Miko has. Uh, the only Team Europe game I saw was their game against Team USA, and, uh, of course, Nino Niederreiter playing for Team Europe. I didn't really notice him a whole lot other than the assist he had on the 2-on-0 they scored on uh, after the Patrick Kane turnover. Uh, how much have you seen of Nino in the uh, World Cup of Hockey? Well, not not enough. And I, quite frankly, I thought he... Uh, I saw... Well, I watched the, the the game against Sweden, and I think he... There was a... In the first period, I saw his minutes were like three minutes. And so he wasn't getting a ton of ice time, which kind of surprised me. Um, a little bit, but um, so it, it is really tough, tough to gauge him. And I, I think he's a player that needs to be um, told, Hey, we're going to give you the reins here a little bit, or, you know, give him a little bit more confidence. I think he's got it in him, but it hasn't been, Oh, I don't know. Uh, given him the opportunity to do that. So I hope that happens here with the wild. I think it's a year where, you know, I'd like to see 25 goals out of him. I think he's capable of it. 
Uh, we've talked all summer long about the depth on this team uh, at the forward position, specifically yeah. the fourth line, and uh, the Wild are bringing in Tomas Fleischman on a uh, training camp tryout. I think he makes the team. I would think so, too. Yeah, obviously, um, well, and, and Fleischman's as put the puck in his net during the course of his career. He's got some experience with Bruce Boudreaux. Has had, you know, I didn't see a whole lot of him last year, and his numbers have declined, so I couldn't tell you if he's also one of those guys that's over 30 where he's on the decline in his career. I guess we'll find out. Right. But, uh, if he's on your fourth line, I'm I'm happy with the move. Yes, I I think, <laughs> trust me, I don't think Bruce Boudreaux wants to come in with a very young team. I think he wants veterans, and uh, I know... You know, he has stated that, you know, he's let it be known to his general manager that he would like to see a more more uh, PTOs come in of guys, veterans that do not have a contract. And they're getting that now with Ryan Carter and Fleischman, who I think could both play a role for this team. Uh, I wouldn't mind having them on the fourth line, but, you know, we'll have to see how, how things shake out in camp. But uh, I, I, I like Fleischman. I always have. And, and as you mentioned, um, he has history with uh, Boudreaux, and uh, so we'll, we'll see how it um, shakes out. So what do you think the fourth line will be to start the season, assuming, obviously, no injuries? Oh, boy, that's a tough one because Gray Ovac is, uh, is the question mark. Yeah. Um, if you don't keep him up, then he has to go through waivers. Are you going to be okay exposing him to waivers? If not, he may. they may just say, you know, we have to have you as our fourth-line center. Then you could run into a situation where, you know, you have Chris Stewart, you got Carter, you have Schrader, you have Fleischman, um, Dolpy, Zach Mitchell. You know, those guys are all going to be fighting for, for fourth-line minutes. And so um, I, it, it, it's, it's really going to be hard to say. I, I would pencil in a Fleischman, uh, probably Fleischman, probably Stewart, and probably Grailvac. Uh I would, I would. I think that's what know, it'll be. And I would say that right now. And then maybe, and then you got Schrader as an extra forward. Yep. Potentially Ryan Carter as an extra forward. Yep. And you know, I, I didn't see any of the prospect scams in Traverse, Michigan, but uh, the the Wild lost their first two games and ended up being <laughs> the uh, the seventh place team. But <clears throat> but with, without seeing the games, it's given the performance of the team, it's hard to imagine. Erickson or Tuck did so well that you go, man, that guy's a lock to make the team. Right. And and do you want, and you and I have talked about this. If, if they're going to make this team, you don't want them on your fourth line. You want them playing minutes and, yeah. you know, 15 to 20 minutes a night. And if they're not ready to do that in the National Hockey League, then, then you, you send them down. But you know what, Brandon, if they are good enough, then I think you stick them in your lineup and you expose other guys to waivers and, and and go that way, but uh, I I think they're more than likely going to start the season out um, in Iowa, which is probably a good thing, and and see how this team starts out. And after the first twenty games, if it's not trending the right way, then you can possibly make some moves. Well, it's not good to see the Wild players performing poorly in the World Cup of Hockey and, and <laughs> heading home early. But we talked about it last week that. New coaching staff, new head coach, and, and you know, new assistants, probably a new system. It would have been kind of challenging to have. you got six guys over in Toronto right now for the World Cup of Hockey. 
and to go a long time without being able to figure out what parts of your team you want in the right spots and you're show, teach them your philosophy, teach them your systems. Now it looks like at least five of them are heading back here pretty quickly. So maybe that won't be as big of a problem as we, we once anticipated. No, I, I think this is the best scenario that could have happened that both, both Finland and, and the U.S. are done, are virtually done because, as you, as you stated perfectly, again, with all the new stuff going on and the whole new coaching staff and new systems and stuff like that, you don't want to say um, we're still working on things 10 games in because those first 10 games could be critical. can either put you, you know, five points ahead of a team or – you six seven points out of a playoff spot, and then you're chasing all, you know, all season. So you want to get off to a good start. Getting off to good starts is is so key um, uh, for an NHL team, and you certainly want to be all ready to go once the first game starts. I will say, out of all the training camps we've had in recent years, I'm 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 more intrigued with this training camp slash preseason than I have been in the past because. We don't know who he's going to favor. We we don't know who his top guys are going to be. We don't know what his power play units are going to be. His penalty kill units. Uh, I'm curious to see how Eric Stahl looks. Um, we yeah. I mean, last year you and I could have sat down and penciled out the lineup. Yes. And without I mean, without really any hesitation. This year there are a ton of question marks. Where's Granlin going to be? Where's Coyle going to be? Are you know? And who's going to be your third line, fourth line center? Wings, combinations, all of that has changed. Who's going to be the fifth and sixth defenseman? Yes. I mean, that's up in the air still. So um, a lot of unanswered questions, which is kind of good, and it, it's refreshing and, um, and exciting in the same breath. Uh, by the time people are listening to this, they might have already seen today's World Cup of Hockey games, but just from a general standpoint, we already know Canada and Europe are in from their pool. Yep. Uh, the other pool will... Really, all four teams still up in the air. Finland pretty much out of it. But it is still possible after today's games that they could somehow slide in via tiebreaker. But Sweden in the driver's seat at 2-0. I know you and I are big North America fans now, even though I I have not seen them play yet. I I still want to watch them play. But Russia, North America both at 1-1. Finland at 0-2. How do you you think that pool emerges? Boy, oh boy, you know, uh, North America had Russia the other night and, and they, they just kind of fell asleep for a little bit and gave up three quick goals in six minutes. That hurt them. They came back and made it close. Bobrovsky was really good. Um, well, Sweden, I'm going to put in there, obviously. And then, uh, you know, it, it, it'll be a toss-up for North America and uh, and Russia. But probably Russia is going to prevail and, and advance. But uh, I just... Quite frankly, I think we're going to see Canada, Sweden in the final, and uh, you know you, you've got to go with Canada. I just, I just think they're too good, and uh, and Mike Babcock is has them dialed in to the point where they don't care who's out there, when they're out there, how many minutes they're playing. Their whole goal is to win this thing, and they've thrown every ounce of ego that they have and locked it up, and they're one team, and they're playing great. And when they've got Duchesne on their fourth line scoring two goals for him. <laughs> he played three minutes and scored two goals in the yeah, period. Two goals and two shots. Unbelievable. And uh, you, you know me, uh, I like to stick up for the defenseman, Pat. Yep. yep. Dust, Dustin Bufflin was taking a lot of heat for that goal that was off the end boards, and he he didn't tie up Duchesne. Yes. And 
That's a tough tie-up for a defenseman. That, that's, that, and it's such a bang-bang play. Yeah, it's, it, that's a very tough play for a defenseman to make, um, especially when, once you're on the front side of him. I mean, it's virtually impossible uh, you know, to, to keep tying him up once the puck goes off the end boards and pops back out because now you're on the wrong side of him. And also, whenever the puck goes wide, you, as a, your first reaction as a defenseman isn't to keep tying up the player. No. So uh, he was getting a lot of heat for that. And he was getting a lot of heat in general because that pairing, that that bottom pairing for USA was getting scored on a couple times last night. But uh, not saying he doesn't deserve some criticism for it, but that's I can tell you as a defenseman, that's a very difficult play to make. And I'm going to tell you something else. On the yeah. offensive side of things, when you have a guy with the offensive capability of a, of a Matt Duchesne who's got quick, quick hands, can find the puck, gets in the right spot, that's tough to defend. I don't care. It's just... You know, guys get hungry around the net, especially, you know, superstars like that. They know where the puck is. They know where the net is. They know their options. And it, and it's a, and it's a quick reaction type thing. And it's, and it is very difficult to defend. And, but you got to give the offensive guy credit also. Finally, before we finish up, I think the National Collegiate Hockey Conference uh, sent out a statement within the last week here that, uh, they're not, ex- at this time, they're not accepting, uh, Minnesota State Mankato or Arizona State. And you know, when when the news first came out, Pat, that Mankato was interested in the NCHC, I guess I was just kind of the under the assumption that the ball had already started rolling on that, and that they were probably going to be pretty close to going in. Yeah. Uh, I, I never once thought at that moment that they were going to get rejected or denied, and it's kind of a weird spot for Mankato to be in now because they, they pretty much told their conference, "Hey, we want to get out of here, we want to leave," and now they're back in the conference. It, it, it's very very strange. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and tomorrow I will be attending the NCHC Media Day, nice. which will be held at the Target Center. So I'm going to have an opportunity to speak to all the coaches and and uh, and and the commissioner of the league and and such. But there's something that I don't want to say funny about it, but there was talk of Arizona State coming in, and they applied, and 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 Minnesota State putting down twenty thousand dollars to get in the league and. Something happened. I don't know if it was a group of people or, you know, talking about the landscape of college hockey, what it'll do to the WCHA. I don't know. Something I think did happen, and and, and people are just kind of waiting to see what will happen in, in the next couple of years. But um, you hate, I think we all want to see college hockey grow and every team have some success. And I think it would really hurt the WCHA if Minnesota State left it. And so uh, I think it, it was a good move up by the NCHC at this point in time. We're five days away from Minnesota Wild preseason game. They get Buffalo on Monday night, and then they're already at home. First game at XL Energy Center Tuesday night versus Colorado. We may have to take that one in, Brandon, just to get a quick look at I'm going to be there. And, wonderful. I'm going to be there. So on it also. I'll see you there and. We can continue to do beyond the pod here, I think, at least through the preseason games. And even uh, the Wild Fan Line schedule is not out yet, but I, typically there's not as many Wild Fan Lines um, during the fall as opposed to you know 2017. So maybe occasionally if we're at, yeah, we have a gap in between Fan Lines, we're going to be on the pod then too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Pat. Good to talk to you as always. Thanks, Brandon. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. He's Pat Micheletti. I'm Brandon Molesky. This has been Beyond the Pod. Like I said, Minnesota Wild preseason action begins Monday night at Buffalo, Tuesday night versus Colorado at XL Center. All those games heard right here on The Fan. 
And uh, we will continue with Beyond the Pod next week. Have a great week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.